Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kenzie. And welcome to those online as well. And uh, if you thought the uh, video switching was a little creative today, you can blame me. I was doing a little bit during uh, worship, and I think uh, Sheldon and uh, Stephen and Kelsey and Michelle and everyone else that does it, they make it look pretty easy. It's not just pressing a button. You have to actually know what you're doing, and I don't. But uh, <laughs> So you're welcome and sorry and all of those things today for our online crew, but it's, uh, oh, it's so good to have you here with us today. This is uh, only week two of our summer series and summer hours. And so, uh, did anyone show up at nine o'clock? I know one, and I, I felt really bad, and I was just like, you know, coffee's gonna be on, it's gonna be good, like some of us are here early, and, uh, and it'll, be, it'll be great, but so glad to have you joining with us today. I know just last week, there were some people rejoining us for the first time since the pandemic, which is great. There's many that have been faithful online this whole time. Some are probably new today, and it's great to have you with us. We're expecting you, and so make yourself at, at home. Uh, I apologize, the, uh, we didn't water the palm tree and it died. And so, uh, uh, yeah, it's my fault. Again, again, sorry to online for the creativity or lack thereof, but uh, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, this was a Beulah week. That doesn't mean much to, to some of you that uh, aren't, aren't already familiar, but to some it might be like, oh yeah, Beulah. Um, so I was there this, this past weekend. I was dropped off Monday night. And so I got to play uh, guitar for every service from like Thursday morning to Friday morning. What was really cool on Wednesday morning, I think it was, uh, you know who I got to play with? Some former cross-pointers and, and current as well. And so it was cool. Ruthie, of course, still here. I got to play with Ruthie. But I was right next to on stage playing guitar with A.J. Guptill, who's now at King's Church. And uh, Doug Ingersoll, his father-in-law, he's, they're, they're kind of responsible for, for uh, getting me into this, this spot here. And so it was really good to catch up with some people all around the district and even an old friend from camp that I hadn't seen in almost 20 years. Now, I had a hat on, but they said, and, and my wife was like, what? They said, like, oh, you, you look the same. And I'm like, that was nice of you. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> let me just take this off. And her dad was there with a bald head. He's like, what's wrong with bald? I was like, no, nothing. I'm very aerodynamic, and it's all good. We're, we're, we're brothers, and uh, we're in this together. Uh, we had district conference on, on Thursday. I was joined by our Crosspoint delegates, the girl squad, which was El- Elizabeth and Elle and Emma and Kim and my wife, Kelsey. Uh, the problem was they showed up just a few minutes late, some of them, and... Uh, they were looking for, for, just look at the back of this. Um, it, it's hard when like a third of the room looks like that. And so uh, anyway, they did find me and we got through that together. And, uh, and then, yeah, Friday morning was the last time I, I, I played. I played acoustic for that with uh, Victoria Rowe, uh, Dave and Vicky's daughter. She got ordained during the pandemic on Zoom. And that's just not not the same as in person, and so, and by the way, Martin Stayhauer, you know, one of our homegrown, um, this was his first time to walk in because he was ordained just before the pandemic, and, and if you don't know, uh, there are some pastors that are still walking in who, who have been ordained like over 60 years ago, 
and for me only six years ago, but still awesome. And so we have to kind of figure out the old guys know and the newest people know, but some of us are like, what year were you? What year? And we're trying to find our buddy to walk in with, and it's, and it's really cool. So got to walk in just a few steps ahead of, of Martin, and it, and it was great. But yeah, I got to play with Victoria, and we got to celebrate those who, who were ordained in, in 2020 and in 2021, and then some, some new people. Maybe you know Parker Davis, who also works at Framework over in Presque Isle, but uh, he got to preach the message on, on Tuesday morning, and it was good to encourage him. Even three of my former uh, Kingswood guitar students, which was really cool, some of them who, you know, I saw a few years ago or even a year or so ago, but it was great to, to celebrate uh, them, and there were many more, but one other notable one uh, who is notable because of the connection here is Austin White. Now, that name, maybe you don't know right off, but uh, his, his mom, old Nikki, you know, we have a new and improved Nikki now in uh, Kidsman, but... Uh, no, she, she would appreciate us saying that and teasing her on. I got to see her as well, but uh, his mom was our children's pastor just a year ago. Uh, his grandfather, John Simons, was pastor here, and his father, so Austin's great-grandfather was also pastor here. Isn't that cool? Now, uh, maybe we can go on record and, and, and tie him into this. He offered to come sometime and guest preach without an honorarium. And I could just picture his wife being like, no, like, don't, like, we, we could use the gas money. You know how much it costs now. But uh, let's rope Austin White into coming sometime soon from Moncton Wesleyan, and I'll work it out with Joel Gorvette. I'm sure it'll be fine, and we'll have him. But, it, you know, it was a great week, but it was a long week, and so it was so good. You know how you, you're away, the heart makes you grow fonder or something like that? It was so good to see my wife when I, when I finally was able. And, uh, and of course, when we got home, my buddy, Bruce. He's only five. He's just a little pup-pup. But uh, we got to pick him up from Paw and Order. It's like Law and Order, but with paws. You, you get the idea. And uh, so it, it wasn't a bad week. I don't mean that. But have you ever had one of those weeks where you're wondering, like, am I going to see the end of this week? I know there's sometimes even good weeks can be like that, but definitely challenging weeks can be like that too. Well, I hope that this for many people is a, is a time of refreshing. I hope this kind of makes you feel like, oh, is that an oasis in, in the middle of dry land, you know? And, and it should be. And I don't have water in there yet, but uh, if there was, I'd have Scott do a belly flop into it like he did at Aqua Ball yesterday. I saw the video. There is, there is, uh, there is proof. There is proof. And uh, was that the name of your team as well? Team Belly Flop. Who, what team won? Squirrels. Squirrels? So just to clarify, it's a Ferris team. <laughs> Is it one of those events where everyone gets a prize or no, no, no? Someone, someone got a trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was good. And if any of you don't know, like we have a great kids program. I love our kids leaders and those who volunteered. There was all ages, it seemed, out yesterday and uh, really great down at, at the Heritage Center. So I hope, we, I hope this is just our first annual Aqua Ball tournament, and many more need to gather in. It was good. Uh, Pierre's not competitive at all, and neither is Brad. Um, wow. <laughs> there are sunburns, and it's okay. It, we will recover. Uh, but the, the Waterside series, there's so many events in Scripture that you can probably think of even in the first chapter, as we looked at, in the very last chapter, we see things referencing water, whether beside the water, drinking living water, on the water, or getting to the other side, which we're kind of looking into. So last week, as we were looking at our context 
At the beginning of of Mark chapter 4, it was saying how once again Jesus began teaching by the lake shore or the waterside, if you allow that paraphrase. And a very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat, and he sat in the boat while all the people remained on shore. And so I was talking with Pastor Tim Guptill. I got to uh, sit beside him um, during Gloria's funeral, and then I got to chat with him a bit more at ordination and afterward. And he was saying, uh, you know, John, you, sh- you, should, you should go to the Holy Land. You should do a tour. I know some of you have already done that. Because he said, like, it, it takes this that you're reading, and it makes it more than three-dimensional. Because then you can say, oh, yeah, that, like, when they're talking about this, like, it, yep, yep, you can see it. Sometimes it is far away, but sometimes it's really, really close. And so he was at the, the location that quite possibly was, was this natural kind of amphitheater where Jesus would be sitting in a boat because he's going to teach for a long time and the people are on the shore. And it kind of goes up in a way that the scientists, uh, Israeli scientists over there have done studies on how, you know, probably several thousand people could hear the spoken word without, without anything like this, without any amplification, without live stream. But like, you know, maybe a few thousand or 3,000 or more could, could hear it in locations just like that. So uh, really kind of cool, uh, not, not just to separate himself a little bit so people could see him, but they could really hear the words as he's teaching. So that's the context for us. And where we wrapped up last week will bring us right into this week. And then we're going to go into different territory. But to get up to, to speed on, on where we were at the end of chapter 4... The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. The situation was when he was done teaching, evening came, and he's like, let's go in this boat to the other side. And so he and his disciples, the the type of boat they would have been rowing to on each side, and they would have uh, been going, and Jesus, after teaching, decided he was going to take a nap in in the back, and that's where he was when this storm kind of erupted. There's this fierce storm, and so this is what happened, is he spoke to the wind, he spoke to the waves, and both stopped what they were doing. They listened to him like obedient children, and they went calm. It was like a whisper, and uh, all of a sudden, they're more terrified of this Jesus, this one in the boat who has control over the wind and the waves than they were of the storm itself that they thought was going to sink them. And so just as Jesus calmed a fierce storm just last week as we looked into that at the end of chapter 4, now he's going to meet a man with an equal fear storm inside of him. So we pick up in chapter 5. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. And whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. And when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. 
And then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. The evil spirits begged him again, do not send them to some distant place. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd, about 2,000 pigs, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus, go away and leave them alone. And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told him. Father, we thank you for this day, which is fun for, for some, but maybe challenging for others. We're carrying many heavy things, but let us reflect now first in this, in this great story uh, which we, we are believing you had this encounter and, and you really transformed a life and we're thinking of our own lives who have, have been transformed by you. Let us be reminded of how merciful you've been and how merciful you could be even now to someone in need. Would you transform us? Would you open up our hearts and minds as we're looking into your word? Your Holy Spirit is already here. Would you help us to acknowledge your presence, be mindful of it, really represent uh, what it is you want to do. Uh, we pray that your will would be done in this time. Father, would you illuminate your word right now? Would you open up our, our eyes, our, our, our ears? Would you open up our hearts to receive this? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So some call this scene, and this could be the title, The Land of the Dead because they get to the other side, and this is no longer Jewish territory. This is now Gentile territory, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that other than uh, it's, a, it's a completely different scene than, than you know, the, the teaching that was going on on the other side, and all these people are crowding so that he had to get in the boat to, to separate himself. Now, as he gets out of the boat, this man who's living in the land of the dead, he's living among the burial tombs in the caves. That, that's where he's, for different reasons, maybe even pushed out of the community for their safety, sort of for his, but... He's, he's hurting, he's smashing things, he's even uh, cutting himself with these rocks, and, and as Jesus gets out of the boat, this man rushes towards him. This is the scene that we're in. Many authors talk about, we, we're reading it, and you'll see in some texts, and as you saw even on the screen, that it says, a man possessed by an evil spirit. Well, there's an asterisk, and it often writes at the, at the uh, 
in the footnotes and unclean, the, the Greek word is, is representative. And, and so I want you to just know for context that there would be Jews reading this who would make complete sense of, oh yeah, unclean. They're both ceremonial unclean. They're unclean for all these reasons. And, and we're going to look at that. Uh, but, but also terms like legion and, and, and considering the territory that they're in, which uh, really the whole uh, wide area would have been occupied uh, by, by the Romans. And so the term legion would be these thousands of soldiers representing that. And, and even the, the, the pigs would have been used to feed them. And so is there maybe a parallel between the fishes and loaves and then all of a sudden the pigs? Yeah, there, there could be for the original listener. And so this is what What's unclean in the story? There's unclean spirits. There's unclean tombs, an unclean herd, an unclean region. And Jesus is coming in who is clean, and he's going to clean house. Isn't that cool? And that's what's going on here. Now, many, when we're reading this, might think, you know, okay, John, like you're reading, and, and it's as though it's like a ghost story or something like that, and I'm not sure that I believe that. Well, that's okay. Uh, I, I often go back to this, and I have for 20-some years now, because when you read in James, and you've probably heard, those of you that have been around a while to hear Pastor Tim Guptill share it, is uh, James is written by... James, and, uh, but that, that might not mean anything to you yet, but James was actually a younger brother to Jesus. And what would you have to do to convince your brother that you were God? Is kind of the, the joke of it. Well, James writes, and he says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. But you know how he ends up that verse? This is uh, chapter two, verse 19. Good for you, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. And so in the story that we're looking at here, Mark really wants us to know, and perhaps Peter is again the eyewitness sharing this with Mark and then sharing it with the, the original readers, listeners, and, and now us. But imagine they're getting out of this boat. They're still terrified that this Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. They're like, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They're more terrified of him than they are of the original storm because what else can he do? And then all of a sudden, this man, they could be terrified. This, this crazy man, he might be naked, we think he is, is running towards them. He's probably all cut up, screeching, you know, uh, at, at, at Jesus. And, and so apparently Jesus is interfering. That's one of the terms that we see in this. It seems like they have plans for this man and for this region, and they've enjoyed some freedom, at least for a season. But then uh, Jesus shows up. And I highlighted it verbally when we were reading through, but in verse 4, I love that it says, no one was strong enough to subdue him. But Jesus comes and he, and he does, and then some. And this, big, this is the big point for today. You could go home after this, but chaos and destruction are no match for Jesus. Whether it's the impressive strength of the wind and the waves of the previous chapter or even this whole legion of demons, which could have been thousands upon thousands, Jesus is greater. That's the point, that when Jesus speaks, things change. His word is deed is the, is the classic way that people talk about it. When he says something, things happen and in a hurry, Jesus' words have true authority over everything seen and unseen because Jesus is the original authority. He's the first and the last word. He spoke everything into existence, and he can speak it out if he wants. And so this is why it's important for us today is that Jesus can make a new creation out of chaos. 
Have you seen it happen before? We'll see it happen again. Jesus can make a new creation out of the chaos. We highlighted kind of a parallel between Jonah and the story last week, and we said that, you know, this Jesus is, as Jonah said, the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea, and now we see the land. So the man who used to be possessed, he's now sitting there at the end of the story and is in his right mind, and uh, James R. Edwards Jr. says that this is a picture of discipleship and salvation, a restored individual sitting at the feet of Jesus. When we see the man first run, and is it the man himself speaking or is it who's possessing him? That doesn't matter so much, but when they get down, my apologies, again, I'm being really creative today, and sorry to our online crew, I hope you weren't wearing headphones. Um, my, there was a shriek, and this is a different type of shriek, but, uh, when uh, the man comes, uh, Jesus is just probably getting his foot out onto shore, and this man runs, like rushes up to them, and they're probably like, what is this guy going to do? He might have a rock in his hand still that he used to break the shock. We don't know all the details, uh, but he's crazy. It, it, this would be shocking. You're, you're not like being like, oh, yes, come, let us have fellowship. No, it's like, please stay away. Let's get back in the boat. I'll take my chances on if that storm comes up again. This guy seems to be able to calm it. Uh, but he says, uh, he bows before him. And, and many mention how later in the, in, in the story, as in the gospel story, the soldiers mock Jesus in worship. They bow before him, but they don't really mean it. They're not really worshiping him. It's mock worship. Now here... We're not sure that it's worship, but it is reverence in the sense of they know who Jesus is. They know and they're trembling with fear. They've had some time in this region. They've had some time in this man to do whatever they like, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is bringing this good news of the kingdom of God. The time has come. The kingdom is near. It's so near that Jesus is stepping foot into this region, which they've occupied for a while. And is this also maybe a representation of the, the physical freedom that they would bring? Well, there is here. And so as this man at the end of the story is then sitting at the feet of Jesus, he's in his right mind, people are kind of shocked. That's the man who was possessed by the demon. Who are you? Are you the person who used to blank? Are you the man or woman who used to be like blank? Well, this man used to be possessed, but no longer. Now he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's in his right mind. This is a testimony. And it's interesting, this man, he went potentially, you know, because he's sent back to family and friends who had to push him out for their own protection too. He went from hopeless to hope full and hope filled really he went from this storm this fierce storm that was equally parallel to the opposition that the disciples found in the water where they thought Jesus why are you sleeping do you not care that we're about to drown and he just says be quiet be quiet and it's done and they're more terrified and all of a sudden this man who had this storm inside of him he's essentially saying be quiet and the storm is stilled once again. He goes from storm-filled to hope-filled. He was once full of unclean, not just spirit, but spirits, potentially thousands, and now he's filled with the Holy Spirit, all because of Jesus. Jesus had mercy. He demonstrated his compassion on him. And many talk about this man, at least in Mark's account, becomes the first missionary preacher sent out by Jesus, and he's a Gentile sent to the Gentiles. 
Isn't this awesome? So in verse 19, Jesus commands, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. The other thing that I've noticed, like I said, we think he's, he's probably uh, not clothed, but the, at the end, how do they write it? They say that uh, he, he's sitting there and he's fully clothed and perfectly sane and they're all afraid because of this. Where does clothes come from? I don't have an answer for that. Just, you ever raise your hand and you're like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, you're supposed to know. No, that's above my pay grade. I don't know how his clothes got there, but they did. And so maybe they're terrified too that they're just like, no, he was just like naked. Like now he's, he's wearing some, some nice uh, fresh clothes. Like where, was it in the boat? Were they wet? Like, do you know? I don't, I don't know. Sorry, guys. I didn't get that into my study this week. Blame it on Beulah. Um, but this, this man, Jesus cared for this one man. Yeah, the man rushed towards him, but Jesus was very patient with this, with this man and with the whole situation. I love it. And now this one man can go and share with many. And so some have a problem. I, I understand this, and, and in many of the commentaries that I referenced in the last couple of weeks, it says about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, some might say, like, is there a moral issue with this that Jesus allowed that to happen? It, it's questionable, right? Because usually herds, uh, apparently they would have been like maybe 125 to 200. Like that would have been a, a pretty large herd at the time. Uh, but there's about 2,000. Like, are they all running together? Are there a bunch of herders like all, all together and they just lost their income? Do, do you see what's going on here? Like, it's not just that he gave permission to the spirits, but all of a sudden that's wasted. Now to the Jews, that they would be an unclean animal for sure. But, but to the Gentiles, to the Romans and, and to everyone else that it might be feeding, that, that would have been uh, financial support for the region. That would have been food for the region. And all of a sudden... They're wasted. And so what, what is this about? Well, I, I don't have a good answer about that other than what it seems to be implying by it not mentioning any more clearly about that is that the one person's changed life is more valuable than any, anything financial, anything like that. And so uh, without knowing for sure what that really meant, of course they're terrified, like our income is, is gone. But, but what isn't is hope. Hope has now arrived. And they're terrified by it. They actually want to push Jesus away. Where Jesus on the other side after teaching chose to go to the other side. Now they're like, please leave. And so as the man is trying to get in the boat with them, like, yeah, there's, there's room. Like he's stepping into the boat and Jesus is like, no. Why does he say this? Jesus, and I love when I'm reading in, in, in my text and how it pops out in red so I can see it quick, quickly that it's the words of Jesus. He said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. So the guys were asking, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And now even a whole legion, a whole virtually like an army of these demons are like, please don't torture us to Jesus. Well, Jesus is the Lord. He's Lord over wind and waves. He's, he's Lord over uh, everything seen and unseen, whether you believe it or not. He's Lord over it. And so go and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. How long do you think it's been since he's seen his family with, with a sane mind? How long has it been? 
how hard would it be to be that family to be like, oh, Joe down there, yeah, uh, yeah, he's ours. Would you be proud of that, you know? It's kind of awkward. It's, it's kind of a situation where we're not sure how long he's been separated, but probably long enough that they've gone out a number of times, day and night. They've tried maybe several men, maybe even encouraging the Romans who have a little bit more shielding on to try, like, here, what can we use? How can we subdue him? Well, we have these things called chains. Uh, we have shackles. Let's try that. No, it doesn't work. He's too strong for even the strongest method. And so they have to remove them. So from, from this man, he's, he's left to the cave, so he doesn't have a true home. That's why they call it the land of the dead. That's where he is. But now he's getting a chance to go home and hopefully reunite. Are they going to recognize him? I didn't buy you those clothes. Like, where did those come from again? I, don't, I have no idea. But he's saying in his right mind, go back to your family and tell them. And, and, and in one translation, go, go to your family and your friends. Go back to your community and, and spread this news. So instead of going with Jesus, no, Jesus is going with you in a sense. The story of what he's done, that's going to mark you now. It's the man who once was possessed by these unclean, these evil spirits, but now He's different. He's changed. And this is why we need to share your testimony. We need to share our testimony. I'd like to share a little bit with you today. Um, do you guys know Kelly J? She was leading our band down at Beulah. She's from King's Church, and I've got to lead with her a few times. So I've known Kelly for a while, but I didn't share much of my testimony with her, but I felt compelled to share a little bit because one of my friends was there earlier in the week and he was providing a lot of gear for us, Nick Wilson. I've mentioned him before. So, so the story goes for me is that in like ninth grade, I used to play, um, I used to play soccer. I'm going to have a sip and, and could I just uh, show you? I have more of these guys if you need them. I forgot it last week because I set my water here. And then I got caught up and I, I couldn't see it because you have to like bend down and, and look, but I did need a sip, but I do have some umbrellas. So I was in ninth grade and I used to play soccer and uh, my friend Chris Wilson was just around, uh, just around the corner from me and I invited him to try out for our, our soccer team and, and, and he made it with some coaching. I helped him out. We became really good friends and this was like years and years ago and uh, we became friends after the soccer season. We would play NHL hockey on PlayStation, probably the first one that the disc used to spin and we'd hope that it would work, but at least it wasn't the NES where you had to blow in the cartridge which they say apparently you weren't supposed to do, but it worked. And so we were playing, and, and one day he got up the courage to invite me to youth group. And I had no idea what a youth group was, by the way. We have one, and there's some stuff going on. We're going swimming Tuesday night, right, in Clarity Lake, so you should come out to youth group. It's basically for middle and high school students. Sometimes they're separate, sometimes they're all together, and some great leaders. So he invited me, and I said yes. They picked me up. And Chris and I were in the same grade and stuff, and so we became friends. But I, I be, started becoming close with his younger brother as well. And so when I was going to youth group those first few months, I made a lot of friends from even other schools, which was great. And, and do, you, do you remember the phones that you had to actually spin the dial? So I lived with my grandparents, and I had to like, okay, wait wait, and you know, you go through seven numbers or so and, and call. So uh, we had a good friend who, who went to uh, Nashua Sis uh, Middle School at the time, and at the end of the school year, she was tragically hit by a car, and Chris and I ended up being pallbearers, and, and we felt like we were kind of in the land of the dead for a while. Um, 
I, I'm sure many of you have lost people close to you, but when it's like someone you've become best friends with who's your age when you're 14 or 15, it, it can be extra hard because you, you don't understand everything, but you understand hurt, you understand loss, you understand grief. And the, the anger that you're not sure of how to deal with when you're growing up through your adolescence can be really hard. So just as I'm entering high school, a time when apparently you're supposed to figure things out to know what you're doing, because everyone keeps asking you, so what are you going to do after, though? What are you going to do after school? You know, what are you going to do? All of a sudden, things seemed a little bit dark. It seemed like, and we're coming up towards the year 2000. Remember, we, we were worried about uh, things online. We, yeah, Y2K. We, we were worried about a lot of things, and I was starting to worry about a lot of things. I was seeing friends uh, go down a wrong path, and, and this one friend, all of a sudden, just gone. And uh, to lower a friend in the ground is hard, and I'm not trying to make it all about that, but uh, um, there were a lot of scenes like that that, that made me um, so discouraged that I, I didn't see much light ahead. And so when people would ask, I was, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know, we'll see, maybe I'll go into the NHL or something like that, maybe I'll, you know, I'll just, I could win a Stanley Cup or two, Montreal needs some help. But, uh, but aside from that, I really couldn't see the, the future, as in, like, I didn't have hope for what was coming next. It was a dark time. But my friend Nick invited me to camp, and I had never gone to camp before, so it was kind of un uncomfortable territory. Uh, it was across into Maine, and this was pre-9-11, so it was easy to get across. I don't think I needed a passport yet. Uh, so as I was driving, and, and I don't mean to make light of this, but is there anyone that would, would just share, like, you know, you struggle with anxiety, and sometimes it's to the point where you feel ill? Do you know what I mean? Okay, thanks, thanks for, for being vulnerable for a second. So, you know, I'm 16, and I felt ill, like, like please pull over the car kind of ill. Like, I felt like there was opposition for me to get there. It's easy for me to see and say now, but at the time, I was like, turn around, turn around, turn around. We're coming on the property. Turn around, please, please, please. Heart's pounding. I feel like I'm going to be sick. And then I see my friend Nick. Hey! And everything changed. And I got out of the car, and that night, I received Jesus. I knew I had to forgive my father, and I was called into ministry. But I needed my friend. I, I needed someone, even to just make me feel calm for a second. And my friend took me to my cabin, and I got my stuff situated, and my pulse probably, you know, lowered quite a bit. And... Uh, now, could it have happened in another way? Sure, but there was opposition, I believe it. And so you might say, John, I don't know about this story. I do. I, I, I haven't been in the exact same spot, but I know the feeling of having something in the way of what God has for you. And so I share this because this is what Jesus has done for me, is that moment when um, you heard Mike McNeil say a similar thing several, several weeks ago. I, I thought that was cool when I finally got to, to be in his course and travel around with him. I was like, I have a similar story of this. My story is at Riverside Camp in 1999, but his was before me. But there was these, these common things where before, because of the type of church that my grandmother took me to, I definitely believed in the existence of God, but he felt so far away. And I, I understood altars were often where you would come and you'd place your right hand over your left and that's where you'd take communion, all, all good. But I had never gone forward to an altar to pray per se. And so in, in this context, I'm sitting several rows back, and this man's preaching and 
trying to explain what's happening next and like, yeah, if you need Jesus or if you need this or you need that, come forward. And I was someone who, again, just a few moments before was so anxious to even enter the ground. I definitely didn't want to be in front of anyone or, or, or be embarrassed. And I'm sitting there. And if you could imagine, I'm, I'm sitting in, in my seat and uh, my heart's starting to pound, but in a different way, not in an anxious way, but in a being compelled kind of way. And I'm praying, and I just felt like all of a sudden, God, who seemed so distant, existing but distant before, is just like, Whoosh. and I'm like, there's no way I'm getting on my feet. There's no way I'm getting on my feet. And I went over, I went to the altar, and I, I, I got down and I prayed. One of my youth leaders came and prayed with me, and I was like, I need Jesus, and I need to forgive my dad. And I think I'm called, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think I'm called into ministry. And so at 16 years old, all of a sudden I could see a little bit beyond Y2K. I could see a little bit beyond the darkness that seemed to be around the thing that used to be opposing me. And I didn't have much training in one week of time at camp, but when I got home, it wasn't this exact Bible, although this one's getting a little rough too, but I used to squeeze my Bible into my jeans. So I would read the Bible, I would pray, and then I would walk through Devon. And I would talk to anyone who would, who would talk to me and try to lead people to Jesus because I didn't know anything else. I, you need to know. You need to have hope. And that's, that was kind of the confirmation of, of the call way back when. How, is, how has he been merciful to me? Well, I just shared just a, just a brief part where all of a sudden that anxiety. It doesn't mean I'm never anxious, by the way. I don't mean that that, that is always the way it goes. But for me, it was like a light switch. It was like, no, be still, be quiet. And it was. And that transformation is how Jesus was merciful to me in the beginning, and he has been over the years. And so when I say you have to share your testimony, it's because sometimes one can go and share it to many. And so being then sane, sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clo- I was fully clothed, just for the record. <laughs> Get that out of your head. But there's a change that only Jesus can bring that you could say, well, how, how, how does he now have clothes? I don't, Jesus made it happen. Sometimes you don't have to know the exact how, but you just need to know who did it. And so get baptized if you haven't made that next step to represent what happened inside, represent it on the outside. You need to do it. If you're online now, uh, pretty easy for you to click our website slash baptism and, uh, or, or talk to us even in person today. Talk to us in the next couple weeks because on the 24th, we're going to dunk someone. And like Kenzie said, even if there's one, completely worth it. One makes a difference. So the thing that I want you to know is, no, Jesus didn't, in, in this exact story, go door to door to every person. He had someone else that could do that. And so we can actually become the hands, the feet, even the words of Jesus and go to people to share. The Holy Spirit who fills us when we go and share how the Lord has been merciful to us in a way that's different than than the preaching of the word, which is important. But now the hundred and some people in here can go and multiply what is happening right now and share how has the Lord been merciful to you? Well, let me tell you, Jesus changed my life in this way. So you can go and share that and, and feel, feel empowered to do that. Feel, feel the urge to go and, and share that. Send that message. Uh, offer forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it, but you're going to forgive them anyway. Um, when you do those things, uh, God gets a hold of it and, and, and changes things. And so the person who was possessed by that evil spirit is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's saying he's in his right mind. Somehow he's fully clothed. 
And then he sent on a mission to go back to his family, to go back to his friends, to go to his community who used to separate him, and now he's coming to bring Jesus to them. We could do the same. The band's going to come to lead us in, uh, in a song that really represents the initial transformation that happened that Easter weekend, that very first one, but uh, something that can happen for us too. And it's not just something for the future, by the way. It's something that could happen in a moment, and baptism represents that. So we encourage you to get baptized. Father, we thank you for, for this short story, and we thank you for, for last week setting up this week and that fierce storm that uh, it, it, it's kind of terrifying to think that these, these grown men who are fishermen would be so terrified of a calm storm because of, because of you. And then this man who had an equal fierce storm inside of him, and, and, and you sent that out of him. And in the end, he's, he's saying he's, he's actually probably better than he ever was before. And they're terrified and, and amazed, and, and he's sent on a mission. And so, Father, remind us of how merciful you've been to us. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your love. Would you help us to also model that even for the one? Would you help us to find those who are living in the land of the dead? Would you send us not just to family and friends, but even people who might scare us a bit? Would we feel your Holy Spirit setting up a, a divine encounter, a divine appointment with someone who, who desperately needs your hope? Father, for those that might be fearful now, would you bring a calm and, and a peace, would you fill them with hope? We thank you that even in the darkness, Father, you are the light of the world, and the darkness can never extinguish that light that is you. We thank you for the authority that you have, and would we be as obedient, would we be ones who not just believe in you, but uh, are, are willing to be changed and, and, and sent out by you? So, Father, we commit this next time to you as we worship you, as we express our gratitude, and as we just realize the truth of what's happened because of what you've done. Uh, would we be filled by your spirit now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.